0: Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show we have an interview with African football great El Hadji Jouf. Jouf was a key member of the Senegal side that reached the quarterfinals of the 2002 World Cup, and he played at many top clubs, including Liverpool, Bolton Wanderers and Blackburn Rovers. Jouf tells us about his love for his country. I always believe
1: we come in here for, for, for a mission, and I was here to, to, to play football, to, to put in myself, me and my generation, to put in Senegal on the map of the world.
0: Also, with the English Premier League season ending this Sunday, we ask how exactly did Leicester City achieve such a stunning triumph in winning the league? We hear from Leicester midfielder Andy King. I think we've got a real hard-working group ethic and togetherness. You know, everyone works for each other. That's coming up later, but uh, we start on a sad note as two Cameroonian players have collapsed and died in the space of a few days. Dinamo Bucharest and Cameroon midfielder Patrick Ekeng has died at the age of 26 of a suspected heart attack after collapsing on the pitch during a game in Romania. Then, a few days later, we heard news that the goalkeeper of a Cameroonian women's side died after collapsing during a warm-up session. Jeanine Christelle Jomnang, also 26, became ill before a club match in southern Cameroon, and she died on her way to hospital. Uh, very, very sad, Solomon, and it makes you think of the great Cameroon international midfielder Mark Vivian Foe, who also died after collapsing during a Confederations Cup match against Colombia in France back in two thousand and three.
2: Uh, Steve, it is indeed very unfortunate because Africa has lost quite uh, a lot of players when it comes to uh, you know players losing their lives and the pitch because of one reason or the other, especially health reasons. Uh, McVivion Foy from Cameroon is definitely the, the highest uh, profile of them up. He collapsed on the pitch, and the uh, that was as a result of uh, what they call a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Uh, and, and that's very difficult for, for Cameroon. And there was also a Nigerian who died in Sudan. And Durant's Ida'a playing for a club side in Sudan, he died as a result of a collapse from heart attack. He died on his way to the hospital. And the most prominent Nigerian to, to lose his life, actually, was way back in 1989. A player called Samuel Paraji who uh, died due to congestive heart failure in the 77th minute of a World Cup qualification game against Angola at the Lagos National Stadium. And He was very prominent, one of the first players to uh, play for Nigeria with red locks and very skillful midfielder, number 10. It is also good for us to note that some of the reasons for, for their death are preventable. You know, it is sad that Africa is losing so many players from that and there's other players that that play locally across the continent that we're not aware of but how do we prevent it if uh, some of these reasons are preventable how do we prevent it how do we make it it is it is something that we really look at and, and really ask ourselves that look what do we do how do we deal with it
0: well just last month we had a first division player here in zimbabwe who collapsed and died in action and there have been several such cases over the years here. Uh, The agent of the late Dinamo Bucharest and Cameroon midfielder Patrick Ekeng uh, said in reaction to Ekeng's death that uh, better medical facilities are needed to stop the deaths of players on the pitch. Uh, He says that every stadium should have a mini-hospital to treat emergencies such as heart attacks. Uh, As I said, Ekeng was playing in Romania But uh, really, with the financial challenges that many clubs and leagues have around Africa, uh, that you might think sounds rather unrealistic. But maybe at least it's achievable to have well-equipped and well-staffed ambulances at matches. OK, well, on a brighter note now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, there was a fabulous party atmosphere at the King Power Stadium last weekend as Leicester City were presented with the English Premier League trophy. The most extraordinary season in English football ends this Sunday, with Leicester having caused the greatest upset ever in the history of English football, indeed in world football by winning the league. And last week we said we'd look more at their success story, which included Algeria's re- Mad becoming the first African ever to win the PFA Player of the Season award. Uh, now Stewart's been speaking to Leicester midfielder Andy King, who was the man of the match and scored in the 3-1 win last weekend over Everton. And Stuart asked about the Leicester City work ethic. I don't really know. You know, if we knew, then we'd obviously keep it that like that the whole time. Um, I think we've got a real hard-working group ethic and a togetherness. You know, everyone works for each other. We've got good players as well as that. You know, we're we're not just a good team with good team spirit. We've got good individual players. And, yeah, we're we're just on a roll at the moment and, and the confidence is flowing and, and we feel like we can go into every game winning. So that's uh, Andy King. Uh, you had quite a long chat with him, Stuart, and uh, found out a lot about uh, Leicester's success. Now,
3: Andy King has a better perspective on Leicester City probably than any other player because it's his ninth season, he played for them when they were in League One in the Championship and now in the Premier League. And uh, you know, he was honest enough to admit to me that survival was their goal for this season. You know, having almost been relegated last year, they had set themselves a points target to survive in the Premier League. And then suddenly they got to the target an awful lot quicker than they expected to. And only at that stage did they begin to think, well, hang on a moment, we're top of the league, we're holding our own, uh, You know, perhaps we can achieve something.
0: What are the other things that uh, he revealed about uh, Leicester's success, Stuart? You know, one of the things which
3: intrigued me is the fact that Manchester City or Chelsea, player for player, are better than Leicester. So how did they succeed? And, I mean, King was honest enough to say, yeah, they are the strongest squads. They've a lot more money. they pay paid their players better. They've all played in the Champions League. And we're just trying to aspire to that. But once the season finishes, he says, the hard work starts again. And we know we have to keep working to keep up with those clubs because they may have had a bad year. and They're probably going to improve next year. So we have to improve as well. But, you know, I said to him, I watched the games on television when you played Man City and Chelsea and you were worthy winners. And he said, yeah, we have put in some really good performances. You know, we're not top of the league by accident. We've worked hard to get there and we've played well. And yeah, we have beaten the top teams and we've beaten them well. And he said, you know, it's funny, when we lost 5-2 to Arsenal and when we lost at Liverpool, everyone said, oh, the bubble has burst. But they came back. And that, he said, is down to character, togetherness, good players, a good team spirit and that ability to bounce back from having a bad game and a defeat. And as he said, we've only lost three times all season, so you can't say we're a bad team. Another thing he picked out was the speed of attack. He said that he remembers when Jimmy Vardy was signed and the first thing that struck him about Jimmy Vardy was simply how fast he was. And so Leicester have simply come up with a style of play which capitalizes on the pace of a Jimmy Vardy the vision of a Riyad Mahrez so that you can have Riyad Mahrez putting the ball into space and Jimmy Vardy being simply faster than the defenders to get there and then another key player is N'Golo Kanté and apparently they signed him by doing a statistical analysis on you know the amount of player runs the coverage of the grant and so on and they just felt he was the player who would cover midfield who would do the hard yards as we say and so you know he
0: suddenly became a final piece in the jigsaw. Well yeah the, the pace of those Leicester counter-attacks uh, is simply stunning and uh, encouraging I think for many teams as to what uh, teamwork can achieve. Uh, what did Andy King tell you about the manager Claudio Ranieri? Well, you know, Andy King actually started his career
3: as a schoolboy at Chelsea and he used to be a ball boy for the first team. And he said they used to hate being near the bench because they'd have to listen to Ranieri, who was then the head coach at Chelsea, uh, shouting all the time. He says, now I'm on the field getting it. But he said Ranieri has done a brilliant job and two things that particularly impressed him. He kept the same backroom staff as last year but of course putting his own stamp on things. But so often a new manager comes in and just takes away everything that was there before. And the other thing was he listened to the players and asked the players, you know, what worked last year? Because I don't want to change things for the sake of it. And again, that was a bit of real humility, you could say. He said that Ranieri reviews the opposition in great detail, but he's been absolutely brilliant to work under. And, I mean, I personally have always been impressed with Ranieri being so upbeat when they do have a bad result. Uh, And Andy King says, yeah, I think he plays the press very well. Uh, He's perhaps a bit different with us. But keeping the dressing room calm is something that he's been very good at. Of course, he's a very experienced manager, having managed all around the world. And he just tells us to keep enjoying our football. And he gives us the confidence
0: to do that. Well, the amazing story of Leicester City. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, More on the English Premier League later on here on Planet Sport Football Africa. But now let's hear from an African football great, Senegal's El Hadji Jouf. Jouf was a key member of the Senegal side that reached the quarterfinals of the 2002 World Cup, beating France 1-0 in the opening game and going on a fine run until they were knocked out by Turkey in the quarterfinals. Oduf played at many top clubs, including Liverpool, Bolton Wanderers and Blackburn Rovers. I remember he was here in Zimbabwe back in 2012 for Benjani Mwarowari's testimonial match, where he delighted the crowd with his fantastic dribbling skills. Oduf spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba when he was in the Gambia recently, and he first talked about his career highlights. Best moment of my playing career definitely is the national team of Senegal because uh, it's there the world
1: knows me. It's day I, I do like uh, uh, my best football. And uh, like what I, what I say, I'm happy for, for all my career because like what I always believe, I always believe we come in here for the for, for mission. And I was here to, to, to play football, to, to put in myself, me and my generation, to put in Senegal on the map of the world. And I think so that's the best thing can happen to me in my career. Looking at um, African football in general, can we say, um, do you agree that um, you are making progress in the African game? I do my part. I work on my part. I work on my part of uh, to be one of the best African guys. You know, on my time, I just like uh, like what I always say. Me and my generation, because I can talk about myself, to not talking about the two thousand two, two thousand one and two generation of Senegal. Kalilu Pariga, Alessandro, Ari Kamara you know, Tony Silva, they 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 helped me to making everything That's more right. easy and possible. Like what they say, I just do my job, and like what they want the young generation in Africa do it, to believe themselves. Because first of all, you have to believe yourself. If you don't believe yourself, you don't go nowhere. You know, life was not easy from the beginning, but uh, I always believe myself to be one of the best African ever. It's not about only football. I used to be an African personality of the year two times. You know, it's important. It's not only about football. Is uh, modern football. And when I was African player of the year, Nelson, uh, African personality of the year, Mandela was number two and something like that. You understand me? Mean like uh, uh, it's possible. Uh, we can be like uh, close to, to the best European uh, players. Um, most of your ex international teammates and the players that you played with um, in the club level are now venturing into management in coaches. Um, Cissé is now um, the head coach of the Taranga Lions, the national team, Omar um, Darf also coach in the French League. Oh, do you have ambition to be uh, to take up uh, you know, your coaching bike? To be coach? No. But uh, definitely no. Because, uh, you know, I've I got another vision of football. Because, you know, I was like uh, so good. I don't think so. I, gonna, I can understand okay. some players on the pitch. That's why. But I can help them. I can help them a lot. Uh, like uh, Aliu Sen now is a coach but i work I work with him, and uh, you know I can be around when they need me to talk with the players because I know i can uh, I can give them the best and uh, the, 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 the best work to be the best on the pitch uh, like what I say uh, i got uh, I got my own ambition today right now i'm a goodwill ambassador for the president Makisal I work for my country and uh, i'm a am a personal advisor for the for the president. I work with the government and, uh, you know, I think I can do a lot. I can do a lot for the country. But if you uh, if want to do something for our country, it's, it's not only about football. We can involve a, another part to, 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 to help the, the, the youngsters, uh, like, Genes, like what we say in French.
0: That's Senegal's El Hadji Jouf. Some great memories there, Salomon.
2: Yes uh Steve such great memories there from Al-Hajdi of you know looking at Diof himself you know he's uh, had a great international career you know they started in 2000 uh, against Benin. He has uh, earned 67 international caps and scored 21 goals for his country. Uh, he played for Senegal in their 2002 FIFA World Cup campaign and was elected to the World Cup All Star team. And Senegal really did so well, and he uh, and his other colleagues, like Henry Camara, led Senegal to the quarterfinals victories over France, 1-0. They beat Sweden 2-1 and Senegal eventually lost in extra time to Turkey. Uh, and also the, you know, we know the great Senegalese squad who were runners-up in the 2002 African Cup of Nations. It was a great time for Senegalese football. It was a, a time that Senegalese football really flourished with great players, individual players, and also a great team uh, spirit, a team that played together Reminded me so much of the Leicester team that won the recent English uh, Premier League. Their coach also, the French coach Bruno Metsu, uh, who is late now. That era really inspired a lot of other younger players that are playing football today, that we look at them and see them. And it, it, it will be really great for us to experience that again.
0: Well, no doubt about his talent. But uh, I have to say that youth did have a lot of issues with discipline as a player, didn't he?
2: Yes, Steve, Dioff's uh, professional career has at times been overshadowed by controversy. First in France, he was involved in a succession of minor transgressions, and uh, his first club had to uh, you know, move him over to Rennes, where he was convicted for driving without a license and was involved in a car crash. And then he moved to England, and during his early Premier League career, Dioff was involved in several incidences where he spat or allegedly spat at France and opposition players, Uh, In uh, 2002, he was accused of spitting at West Ham fans while warming up as a substitute for Liverpool during a game at Anfield. And so there were so many incidences. He was arrested uh, and charged with uh, motoring offences in Manchester in uh, 2010. uh, In Scotland, when he moved uh, to play for uh, Rangers, you know, in February 2001, Dioff became embroiled in an argument with uh, Celtic captain. And he is a very great and talented player. Uh, who uh, allowed part of his character you know, to overshadow his skills and, and talents. I feel he's one of the most skillful African players uh, to ever come out of uh, the continent. And he is definitely a great player, but he had a lot of discipline issues. But I don't want to dwell on that too much because I want to really look at the skill that he has. And and in as much as he had character and discipline issues, I believe as he grew older, he he learned and he turned around. And that's why we're seeing him playing different roles right now in society and trying to encourage younger players and inspire younger players and motivate them. So and I feel you know it is the story of us too. You know every one of us you know how do you turn around uh, from a place where you lack discipline in life in the things that you do and and embrace great values that would grow you as an individual and that would also give you some sort of a stability in life and I feel you know uh, Elhaj Diof has learned from it and uh, hopefully we hope to see him more in future in whatever capacity he hoped to be involved in football
0: well, interesting that Juve is talking of having a greater responsibility in life than being a football coach. He talked of being a former African personality of the year in the past and also being able to impact society, being an advisor to players and being a personal advisor to Senegal's president Macky Sall. We also heard recently that Liberia legend George Weah is going to run for the post of President of Liberia, trying for a second time. It does show, Salama, that some footballers can have a great influence in society. It is important. I feel, you know, as a football player, you get to travel the world, you get to work under different
2: leadership personalities, and you get to learn different uh, cultures. And with that kind of knowledge and with that kind of experiences that you get, it's always important that you really come and and, and give back. You've know you learned to work with people, uh, people that you have differences, cultural differences, religious differences, people that you differ in so many different ways. You've learned to uh, put your nation first, to be patriotic. And I feel any football player who has been part of the system should have some sort of a role to play, to contribute to to society, uh, to do one thing or the other. That would really help uh, to not just grow football, but grow society uh, with the experiences and knowledge that uh, they've acquired.
0: Well thanks a lot Solomon and uh, certainly El Haji Jufe was a player who added a lot to African football. And on WhatsApp and on Facebook this week we're asking what are your memories of El Haji Jufe's playing days and how good was he? Send us a WhatsApp about El Haji Jufe to +447955232780. That's +447955232780. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and tell us about your memories of al Haji playing days. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And have you downloaded our new app yet? Well, if you miss the show, you can listen any time on our app. And to download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Uh, then once you've got the app, you can listen to the show there. In fact, there are over 130 episodes of the programme there on the app, all available on demand. You can also listen to the show on our website. That's planetsportfootballafrica dot com, and you can follow us on Twitter at FA. Well, still to come on the show, the latest from the English Premier League. But before that, uh, some big news in African football is that the CAF Champions League and the CAF Confederation Cup will be expanded next year and the group stages will have 16 teams instead of eight teams. So there'll now be four groups of four. That's something that Solomon and I have said on previous programmes was really needed because the level of competition in the Champions League is so tough and it's been very hard to get to the group stage with just eight teams featuring. So now the Champions League and the Confederation Cup expanded to 16 teams. Uh, That means more countries and more teams will get a chance to feature in the group stage. Well, now we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook. And two weeks ago and last week, we asked you for your nominations for the top three Africans in the English Premier League this season. So here's some more suggestions. Uh, firstly, Sunkari Danso in the Gambia says, my three best African players in the Premier League are firstly Sheku Kouyate from West Ham, because he's been playing week in, week out of his consistency and reliability. I mention him. Uh, secondly, Diafra Sacco also from West Ham because he's been considered as one of the best strikers in the Premier League this season. And thirdly, Andre Dede Ayou from Swansea. It's no surprise to see him on my list because he always makes African people proud of him and proud of themselves. From Malawi, Alfred Mdimba says it might not have been his best season ever, but for me, Yaya Touri at Manchester City is still the top choice. My other choices are Riyad Mahrez at Leicester and Swansea's Modu Barrow. Odipo Morris from Kenya says Mahrez tops the list, of course, followed by Kelechi Ihanacho and not forgetting our very own here, Victor Wanyama at Southampton. Al Haji Saidi Khan is in the Gambia. He also includes the Kenyan midfielder among his choices. Al Haji says In my opinion, I think Riyad Mahrez is first, and then the Southampton pair of Sadio Mane and Victor Wanyama. Ebrima Tamba from The Gambia says, My top three are firstly Riyad Mahrez, secondly Sheku Kuyate, who's been very instrumental in the West Ham midfield this season, and thirdly Yannick Berlassi at Crystal Palace. Despite his injury problems, he helped Palace to reach the FA Cup final. Gemo is a Cameroonian living in South Korea. He says, My choices are Riyad Mahrez, Sadio Mane and Andre Ayew. They were outstanding for their respective teams this season and made us Africans proud. Emmanuel in the Gambia says, My top three are Riyad Mahrez, Andre Ayew and Wilfred Bonny. The reason I select Bonny is because he had playing time and did a great job at a great team like Manchester City. Paulus David in Namibia says his top player is Riyad Mahrez, followed by Sadio Mane and Yannick Balassi, And Sumana Kole in the Gambia speaks for many when he says it's hard to pick the top three, in my opinion, as all the African players have done a good job this season. But I'll go for Mahrez, Sadio Mane and the young man City striker Kelechi Ihanacho. Saido Bar in the Gambia says, ''My choice is Yaya Toure, Andre Ayou, and Papi Sisse at Newcastle.'' Uh, Baturu Barrow and Kaboy in the Gambia have both chosen the same three players. That's Mares, Sadio Mane and Andre Ayu. While Malik Guy says, ''My three are Mares, Mane and Diarra Sacco.'' And after winning the PFA Player of the Year award, it's no surprise that Riyad Mares features highly in the choices for the top three African players.'' Saja in the Gambia is another fan who picks the 25-year-old Algerian midfielder and says my other two choices are Andre Ayew and Yaya Toure. And finally, Sidu Organ-Jobate from the Gambia says my top three are Riyad Mahrez. He was outstanding for Leicester. Sadio Mane, who's been good throughout the season. And thirdly, Andre Ayew of Swansea. He's energetic and has got a lion-fighting spirit. And finally, Sidu says, watch out for Mo Barrow and Kelechi Iheanacho next season. And Barrow and Iheanacho are the Swansea and Man City players who've both made big strides forward this season. And next week on the show, Stuart will be highlighting his most promising players of the season. So we'll see who he mentions there. Well, thank you so much for all of those comments. Always appreciated and great to hear from you. Uh, this week on WhatsApp and on Facebook, we're asking, what are your memories of El Hadji Jouf's playing days and how good was he? El Haji Jouf of Senegal, Liverpool and Blackburn. What are your memories of him? Send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Or log on to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's stay with English Premier League football and go back to Stuart Weir in the UK. Stuart, the season ends on Sunday and most of the big issues affecting the top and bottom of the table have now been decided. Yes, indeed. And Sunderland are the big
3: winners at the bottom of the table. You know, Sunderland went into their last two games, odds on to be relegated, and they won both of them. First of all, beating Chelsea 3-2 and then beating Everton 3-0, which means that they survived. And Newcastle and Norwich join Aston Villa in the championship next year. And again, one has to pay great tribute to Sam Allardyce, who was appointed manager of Sunderland in October. And in the transfer window, brought in three African players. And when they beat Chelsea, Wabi Khazri from Tunisia, signed from Bordeaux got one of the vital goals. And the star man, as they beat Everton, was the Ivorian Lamani Kone. So much so that the fans were chanting, Olé, 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 Kone Kone Kone," And again, a player signed in the transfer window from Lorient, not one of the top teams in French football uh, by any means, but Sam Allardyce saw him as somebody who could shore up the defence and come up with the occasional valuable goal. Now, the only unresolved matter is who will join Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur and Arsenal, who have already qualified for the Champions League, and the fourth place will be between Manchester City and Manchester United. At the weekend, Arsenal held Manchester City to a draw, while... Manchester United won at Norwich, which put Manchester United in the box seat, needing only to win their two remaining games. But then Manchester United lost at West Ham in a cracking game, and Manchester United were leading 2-1 with 17 minutes to go, but West Ham finished up winning 3-2. That means we go into the last weekend with Manchester City simply needing to win at Swansea and they are in the Champions League. Manchester United at home to Bournemouth need to win that and hope that Man City do not win their game. And finally, Steve, You know, we know about all the overseas managers in the Premier League, Claudio Ranieri at Leicester City, Louis van Gaal at Manchester United and so on. But where are all the English managers? Alan Pardew, Crystal Palace, who are in 14th place, Tony Pulis, West Brom, who are in 15th, Eddie Howard Bournemouth, 16th place And Sam Allardyce, who OK, has kept Sunderland up, but they're 17th. So the only four English managers in the Premier League are right at the bottom of the table. What is going on? Where are all the English managers, Steve?
0: Well, such an international flavour in the English Premier League. But uh, yes, uh, good question. Should those English managers be doing better? Thanks so much uh, for that, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. But on uh, Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking: What are your memories of El Hadji Diouf's playing days, and how good was the Senegal winger? And how much did you love to watch him uh, back when he was at his peak? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What are your memories of El Hadji Diouf? Well, from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Oshoms in Nigeria, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.